Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, and to my right, I've got D. Louie. He's back, folks. Finally, D. Louie has come back to the Short Side Option. That's right. So, D. Louie, I've had so many people reach out to me asking, you know, where, where, where were you last week? And I said, well, I'll tell you where I was. I, well, what I wanted, uh, first let me, let me All right. go back and say they said, well, will you tell us where he was at? Maybe on next week's short side option? And you know what I said to him? What? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And now? Copping my catchphrase. I was. I was. I was. So now you're back. You're better than ever. You're recharged. I'm you're recharged. Re-energized. I'm rejuvenated. I, yeah. I was out last week. I was grinding on sports stories. Of course. As, uh, as you often are. On location. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what... What, um, how that project turns out here in the coming months. Um, let me just tell you, it's a long form feature article. Oh. Modeled after a eh, personal hero of mine, the icon himself. Wow. The best long form feature writer in the country. No question. Yeah. You're, you're, you're of course, referencing uh, D. Scott Fritchin. That's correct? right. The That's man, right. the icon. He, he is truly an icon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to, uh, to see your work be released. And uh, I know. The, the millions of folks out there that live for long-form feature articles know that they share the same excitement, uh, of course, as I do. Yeah, and I'll just come right out and tell you the subject. It's, uh, it's on uh, how Val Taylor's after-school snacks uh, impacted his development playing junior high football. Wow. Mm-hmm. That will be a page turner. There's no question about <laughs> yeah, that for that you one. bet. Okay, well, we're, and we'll, we'll be looking for that. We'll, you know, we'll have a nice little... Uh, Maybe a blog. Maybe we'll just tweet it just out. Have a, I'll just do a reading right here on the show. Oh, that'd be very nice. <laughs> yeah. That'd be very nice. Yeah. Nice to take three or four hours out and just dive deep into that subject. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. I'd, I'd really like to like to hear that. But, you know, while you were grinding on sports stories, um, my eyes were bleeding watching K-State play Texas A&M last Saturday. Yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago that uh, it that does. game happened. It does. So last Saturday, K State uh, went on the road playing Texas A and M in a game that, quite frankly, you can really it, we thought that it wasn't going to end, or we thought that um, K State's resume would not get have any worse loss than what we had to uh, Tulsa earlier this season. But I think we may have eclipsed that uh, as the Wildcats drop a, a 12-point decision to uh, Texas A&M, 65-53. to K-State led at halftime uh, by 4, 30-26, but were outscored 16 points in the second half as Texas Tech really kind of carved up K-State defensively, or carved K-State up uh, offensively. Texas A&M. Texas A&M, excuse me. Bad job, Texas. By you. Bad job by me. Texas A&M. There are too many Texas schools. This is the third Texas team that we had played in a row. Did you know that? Uh, you know what? At the time, it hadn't crossed my mind. But yeah, we were kind you of. You think there was maybe down. some Texas fatigue? You know, maybe a little Lone Star syndrome uh, setting in after on Game Three. That's uh, you know, two of those games were played in the Little Apple, as mm-hmm. I like to call it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, playing so many Texas teams in a row. Yeah, you, you kind of you scratch wonder, your head. I mean, it, it's kind of the law of averages, right? You know, one of these Texas teams is going to finally beat you. And you know, you play it, enough of them. It's the, you can 
point the finger at whoever you want, but me, I'm pointing them at the schedule makers out there. Three three Texas teams in a row. It's just setting up for uh, for kind of a disaster, and I think that's what manifested on uh, Saturday. Hmm. Something to monitor going forward. You know, K State goes uh, goes north of the Red River on Saturday as they take on uh, Oklahoma State and Stoolwater. So we'll get to that a little bit here shortly. But let's go and, back. Well, and just one more point. Go ahead. We play uh, we play Baylor and at Baylor and at Texas back to back here. Um, mm. Not this week, but the following week. And towards the end of the season, we play Baylor and TCU back to back as well. So you hmm. just keep an eye on those on those Texas strings because granted those are two in a row. Not, and we didn't not get three. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe two's the magic number for us. But as we look back at this Texas A and M game, uh, like I said, a twelve point loss for K State. You look at what K State did offensively, and this was probably the the worst offensive performance of the year uh, year to date. Uh, McCall Maywin completely a non factor. 17 minutes, believe it or not, no fouls, which is a rarity, but uh, didn't contribute anything in terms of scoring and, and only grabbed two rebounds. Uh, one of his worst games in recent memory. Dean Wade was really the only player that was an effective option for K-State offensively. Uh, he poured in 17, <coughs> and, and then uh, Cartier Jada uh, also uh, Led K State with 14 points, so those uh, were the, were the two biggest factors. Barry Brown uh, only had 11 points. Saddled with a little bit of foul trouble, and uh, once again, Bruce Weber uh, opting to keep him on the bench uh, during some kind of moments where the game was looking like it was going to get away from K State. Uh, kind of in the middle part of the second half, just not enough offensive firepower. Of course, A and M played uh, quite a bit of zone against K State and. As uh, we've seen with K-State throughout uh, this year and even in past seasons, the zone defense stymied them, and, and it was a really rough day shooting for K-State. 7 of 31 for 22% from uh, behind the arc and only 20 of 61 from the field, uh, 32.8%. You're not going to win any games when you shoot that percentage. No, I mean, if, if – Teams can get K State to miss twenty four three pointers. Uh, they're going to sit back in that zone all day long. Um, you know, going seven of thirty one is abysmal. You have guys, uh, sheesh. I mean, Cam Stokes goes two of nine. Bray Barry goes of three. Sneed goes of four. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing too is on some of these shots, some of them. I would say, okay, how many was it? 31 from three is how many we shot? Yeah, 24 misses. So, 7 of 31. Of those 31, I don't have them charted out in front of me necessarily, but of those 31, I would say half of them, I'd say actually more than half of them, were relatively good looks, like open looks, shots that you should hit at least 40% on. Yeah. Open looks. But most of K-State's shots against that zone were just horrendous. I mean, there were several of them that didn't hit any part of the rim, just clanked off the backboard, a couple air balls thrown in there. Just a, um, just an awful shooting performance from K-State. And it ends K-State's five-game winning streak. 
And right now, you can't say that they're the hottest team in the Big 12 anymore. Well, and, you know, we during that winning streak, we said K-State can beat a lot of teams when they're playing right. They can go out there, and they can be really, really good on a given night. But we've shown also throughout this year, not just against A&M, but several times throughout, that K-State also has the capacity to go out and lay eggs on offense for extended periods of the game. The biggest of eggs. Yeah. The biggest of eggs. I mean, they are so inconsistent offensively uh, that regardless of how good the defense is, you're not going to beat really almost anyone in the country with shooting performances like K-State's displayed at times throughout this year. And so um, well, it's, it's, a, it's a team that is properly classified as dangerous, I think. But they're too inconsistent right now to be considered really a great team. Um, you cannot really depend on K-State to go out and get the job done night in and night out just because they're capable of such disastrous performances offensively. So, here's something for you. K-State was at 30 points at halftime. They were at 36 points with 12.26 left to go in the game. Yeah, that's where the game turns. That's about uh, about an eight-minute scoring drought there for K-State. You, you can't have those type of stretches against really anybody. And this is a Texas A&M team, not particularly strong offensively or defensively. And it's, it's a shame that, that uh, with all the momentum that K-State had really going uh, and playing some of their best basketball of the season, that you – you, you deliver this lackluster performance and you have, you know, some fans and you have some, uh, you know, some of us here scratching our heads saying, well, okay, is this five game stretch more of an aberration or are these, are these um, poor offensive outings maybe really true, truly more of a uh, indication of what kind of team this is. Well, I think it's both. I mean, I think it's a team that uh, is capable of putting together an effective offense. I mean, you have really good – you have a few really good offensive pieces on this team. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Barry Brown is a good offensive player. Mm-hmm. I think it's very obvious that Dean Wade is a good offensive player. I would say that Barry Brown is – a, a good offensive player. I would say Dean Wade is a great offensive player. Yeah, right. Yeah. G- good was the minimum yes, there. Yes. But, you know, when you do what we did on Saturday, which is go almost seven minutes, almost seven whole minutes without scoring a single point, it shows that this is a very defendable team, Not with, even with two really standout offensive players in Brown and Wade. And so, yes, this is a team that can be very good, especially because of how well they defend. But it's also a team that, despite having two really good offensive weapons, can be held uh, for extended stretches of the game without scoring themselves. And so the defense is only as effective uh, or helpful as the offense is, while the opposing offense isn't scoring. But if, if you aren't getting the job done offensively on your end, then you know, the defense isn't exactly winning you the game. Sure. And it's tough 
to continue to bring that kind of defensive intensity when the shots aren't falling on the offensive end. Exactly. It, there, there's that doesn't I don't feel need to go be explained too much, but it's just one of those things where it starts to get very frustrating when you're when you're not being able to make anything on the offensive side of the ball and it feels like you're just playing defense. Nope. And yeah, nobody's defending a or uh, you know, nobody's going to be mistaking A&M for being a good basketball team. But K-State needs to hold up its end of the bargain mm-hmm. and get the ball in the hoop. That's right. Or else they're going to lose to teams like A&M just by the nature of scoring 53 points. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I think that's enough to cover on this game. I think we've I think anyone that watched this game uh, last Saturday knows that uh, it was a completely abysmal offensive performance and uh, K-State drops one uh, 65 to 53 to Texas A&M. K-State entered the game as a pretty short favorite, only four and a half point favorite on on, <coughs> on the day. Uh, but uh, they they get completely played in the second outplay of the second half and drop one to A&M. Let's, uh, let's look ahead now to uh, Oklahoma State tomorrow as we're bringing this to you on, a, on Friday evening. Chris, what do you see in the Cowboys? Well, a similar kind of profile to, uh, to what Texas A&M brings. Er, and, you know, when I see here with Texas A&M, Kim Palm rated uh, 131 in the country. Oklahoma State uh, a little bit higher at 80. But a similar type of team, when you look at what Oklahoma State does offensively, uh, rated adjusted efficiency at 101, uh, adjusted uh, efficiency on defense, 98.7. So uh, a team that doesn't necessarily do one thing real well, they're, they're very much a, a middle-of-the-pack team. And uh, right now they, uh, they're, keeping, um, they're keeping West Virginia company in the basement of the Big 12. But this Oklahoma State team is is an interesting team. When you look at what they've done, uh, they've they've beaten beaten Texas at home, uh, gone on the road to West Virginia and won, and then uh, had a nice win. Uh, one of their uh, one of their better ones of the season against South Carolina uh, last um, last time out last Saturday. Also earlier in the in the season, uh, beat an LSU team that's uh, one of the better teams in the in the SEC right now. So this is a team that does have some talent. Uh, they're awful shorthanded though right now. Uh, I remember it was sometime about two weeks ago. I think I saw that they were uh, having walk on tryouts during the middle of the season to get some extra bodies out there. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Yeah, that's not not what you want. But this is a team, quite frankly, a game that K State. Should win, but going on the road uh, to Oklahoma State, it's been a place that K-State has struggled before in the past. Uh, won their last two games there, however. So you look at what uh, this Oklahoma State team brings. It's a little bit of the same kind of profile for me in terms of looking at the spot of the game as Texas A&M. A game that K-State should win. I think that they are the more talented team. But if you go through a stretch of eight minutes without scoring, you're probably going to lose. Yep. And uh, this Oklahoma State team is more than dangerous enough uh, to, to catch K-State on and off shooting night. They Oklahoma State does shoot quite a bit of threes uh, for their uh, percentage of points. Uh, they get uh, 37% of them from behind the uh, from behind the arc, and they're going to uh, they're going to shoot some threes. 
They're going to pressure you on defense, and they're going to play a little bit of zone. They do play some zone, and that's, as we've mentioned, has been a been a big issue for K-State on, on how to, uh, to solve that riddle of the zone. Is there anybody from Oklahoma State that stands out? Who, who are Oklahoma State's stars? Who are their star players? Well, there are three guys that, uh, that really catch my eye. Uh, Cameron McGriff. Oh, the uh, crime dog. The crime dog. Uh, I don't think for, I don't know if relation. I'm sure they probably are. He and, the, than, he and the dog. Yeah, crime. The crime dog, Fred McGriff. Now, he oh, was, I was talking about the actual dog. Oh no, 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 no! I'm talking Fred McGriff. Who? The the spokesman for Tommy Mansky uh, fundamentals. Oh, of course. I yeah. the, the spokesman for the Tommy Mansky's fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. So Cameron McGriff, uh, real bouncy, good athlete. Uh, he'll he six seven power forward. Not a great uh, three-point shooter, shoots at about 35%, but a guy that's going to be one of the more athletic uh, forwards in, in the conference. Who do you think draws that assignment? Is that going to be Dean? That will probably be Dean. Uh, they're not a real big team. Uh, they do. They play a little bit smaller, but the I would say Dean probably uh, grabs a little bit of that. I, I would expect to see... Um, Maybe Brown onto Sagwa, uh, who's a, a great three-point shooter, one of the best ones in the country, uh, shooting it at 43.5%, made 61 three-pointers on the season. And then you have Lindy Waters, uh, native Oklahoman. Any relation to Jake? Let me let me do some research on that. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Cut the icon I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about Tom. I don't know anyone with the last name to Zagwa, so I... I I wonder who he's related to. I think Dezog was translated of water. So maybe he's related too. We'll be back after <laughs> after the, the, the break. Prior to the, the Wildcat break. legend, we'll, we'll, we'll get you the answers we'll to these the questions. We'll get you the answers to these questions. This is why Dealer is the best of the business. I asked the folks. hard questions, man. That's right. But Lindy Waters, uh, good good guard, 6'6", uh, six, six, long arms, good defender as well. One of probably the more effective, Underrated players, uh, when you look at the Big 12, a guy that uh, is one of their most dependable, leads them in minutes played, and also is is one of their go-to guys really on the offensive side of the ball. Dezagua is really a, kind of a one-trick pony. He will shoot from anywhere on the court, and he's accurate from behind the arc. So he's one to watch. Uh, same with Waters. Uh, Waters is also automatic at the free throw line, uh, 96% from the line. It's a team that's dangerous. No, there's no question about it. But uh, off the heels of a disappointing performance, I'd like to think K-State uh, brings brings a much more focused game and, and uh, is able to to win a game it should, really, um, to, to say it simply. <clears throat> okay, so we've run down their team as a whole. We've run down some of their star players. How do you, how do you see this game going? Well, this is the this is the question. This is why they call me the icon, folks. That that's why. This is why. I'm taking K State in a close one. I'm saying K State, 68, Oklahoma State, 62. Mm-hmm. Close, closer than the experts think. Well, actually, what's uh, what's D. Ken Palm say about D. Louis got this game as a 60 or Ken Palm has this game as a 61 to 60 K State victory. Wow. So another. The, we both agree on it's going to be a low-scoring one and a, and a tight one, but I think K-State makes enough plays down the stretch 
with Dean Wade, Lindy Waters, or De- Dean Wade and Lindy Waters are kind of the two go-to guys for both of uh, of these teams. I think Dean Wade just makes enough plays, and uh, alongside with Barry Brown, another guy I'm really looking forward to seeing. I thought he had was really one of the lone bright spots last Saturday uh, was Cartier Jada. I'm hoping that he can string together uh, two nice performances in a row. Yeah, it seems like ever since that kind of crummy performance against West Virginia where here on the short side option we, we really got after him and, and call, kind of called him out and kind of a call to arms for, for Mr. Jada. He's really responded well to that and uh, got his act together and put together some some fine performances. Yeah, and I'd like to I like to think that his his fine performance against Texas A and M was a little bit spurred on by uh, by what we said here on, on on the short side option. You know what? I like to think that too. So uh, for my for my money, K State cruises, man. K State cruises. K State cruises. Uh, wins this game by ten plus, and. Okay. Uh, we just rip the cord uh, from long range all night on these guys, on we, these clowns. Yeah, we we get a we have a better shooting performance after the really lousy one at A and M. I mean, I think uh, this team is is better than they showed against A and M. Just like they're better than they showed down in Austin, um, in Tulsa, and, and so forth. That I think most of the time K State's going to be. Uh, considerably better than they were on a and against a and and that's not to say that we shouldn't expect any lousy offensive performances like that throughout the rest of the season but i think those are going to be the exception rather than the rule but exceptions exist so that is all to say that i think that uh, k-state puts together a complete game on saturday and, and cruises okay do you i know you said 10 plus do you have a score K-State getting into the 70s? Yeah, K-State's uh, getting into the 70s. Okay. Low 70s. I'm, I'm saying 72.50. Or, I'm sorry, 72.60. <laughs> Cut the icons either. You know what? No, 72.50. 72. Oh, man, it's a it's, 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 a, it's a runaway. It's yeah. a runaway. We absolutely said K-State could win this game. But they were going to have to win via TKO. Oh, they, they'll, have a, they'll have Oklahoma State they'll have out, the out on their feet in the first round. Yeah, they'll have... The tomato cans down in Stillwater on their backs. Early and often. Early and often, that's right. So that will, uh, we, we covered uh, this point loss to uh, A&M. We've previewed K-State's upcoming game against Oklahoma State. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, answer your questions and ask the icon. And with D. Louis back, that only means one thing. That's time to meet another Wildcat legend. Back after this. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option, where we are getting into another segment, the return of a segment, a segment we call This Week's Wildcat Legend. And Icon, this week's Wildcat Legend hails from a city very close to my heart, Chicago, Illinois. Where? Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Chicago, Illinois. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Sorry, he, I, I misunderstood you. He attended high school at Simeon High School. Are you familiar with that place? Yes, of course. I'll tell you that he also attended uh, junior college. Played okay. at Seward County Community College in Liberal, Kansas. Oh, okay. That's that's a place not necessarily near... Well, it's near to my heart, but not dear to my heart by any stretch. You can't stand Liberal, Kansas. I played a... Um, played played liberal in baseball one time, and they bean you. 
No, not that I recall, but I made it a spectacular diving catch in the outfield one game. But also, uh, that game at uh, Liberal, their baseball diamond is right next to IBP, International Beef Packing Plant. Mm. You can only imagine the smell that rolled in that fine day. Yeah, horrifying. Um, Anyway, he went to, uh, that's where he attended junior college. He attended Kansas State during the 2011-2012 season, after which he transferred. Do you have an idea of who this might be? I, I, I definitely know it now. Who? You're talking about the Jet. The Jet. Jeremy the Jet Jones. You're exactly right. Icon. Very good. Uh, Jeremy Jones was, man, that guy was a quick draw. But I'm going to get into a little bit more of his... Uh, of his time prior to Kansas State. As I mentioned, he graduated from Simeon High School in Chicago, uh, averaged 21 points a game there, four rebounds and four assists as a senior. Uh, he then, of course, attended uh, Seward County Community College in Liberal, and then later attended Western Texas College in Snyder, Texas, named, of course, after Sean Snyder. Really? Yeah. Okay. Continue. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Uh, Seward County. Uh, posted a 27-7 and record and a 12-4 and mark in league play. Uh, they won the Jayhawk Conference that year, but if you remember, they lost the Region 6 championship game. And uh, the Jet was named third-team uh, All-American that year. Okay. But flash forward to Kansas State. That 2011-2012 campaign, which was a really nice season for the Cats, if you remember. Yeah, of course. Uh, as part of that team, the Jet averaged 3.1 points and 20 appearances for the Wildcats. He shot 45% from the floor and a scorching 36% from three-point land. Uh, but really, what makes him a legend are two performances that really stood out. The first was against OU that year on January 14th, where he lit it up, scoring 12 points. Uh, he shot five of seven and two for four from three-point land against OU. And uh, that was really his best game as a Wildcat. Uh, but the second game where he also just uh, stole the show, really, was against Howard that year on New Year's Eve, where he had ten points, um, going four of eight from the field, including two three-pointers against Howard. And you know what? Speaking of Howard, let's give it up for our guy Ron Prince. Coaching that football team. Great times ahead for, for Howard for the, on, on the on the horizon. Yeah, as they uh, they go into a bold, daring new era. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but the Jet uh, also had a career best four assists, um, and a season high twenty five minutes of work against Southern Illinois that season. So a little bit of a homecoming down there in Carbondale for our Chicago boy, uh, and then. One final note, he hit all four of his field goal attempts against Maryland Eastern Shore in uh, November of that year. And so, really an illustrious career at Kansas State. Of course, after that season, he transferred to Southern Alabama, where he continued his great career. Um, his departure from K-State didn't really come as a huge surprise at the time. He kind of stopped practicing with the teammates, and whatever it indicated that he was contemplating a transfer. Uh, but... He was primarily an outside shooter for K-State and oh. had a really impressive career, albeit a short one for the Cats. Yeah, I, I, uh, as you were going through um, the Jets' accolades and, and accomplishments at Kansas State, I can't, 
I can't say that, you know, when I look back at his career, I always think, man, he, I just feel like this is a guy that could have done even more with his career at K-State, had a lot of talent, and uh, wish him the best uh, wherever he's at now. Yeah, and as I mentioned, he had two great performances, um, especially great performances before departing from Manhattan. And it's those performances primarily, along with his uh, really impressive outside shooting, that make him, in our hearts, now and forever, a Wildcat legend. Now, Icon, we are getting into our final part of the show, a segment we call... I would like to interrupt you just real quick. This is uh, highly unorthodox. I know, I know. I, I Bear with me. Uh, Thomas Zagua, Lindy Waters, not related to Jake Waters. Are they related to each other? I'll be back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's untangle little, this little, knot. A little, little bit more. Let's figure this out. A little but bit more research coming here. In the meantime... Uh, we'll get to our, uh, as I was saying, our final segment on the show, a segment we call Ask the Icon, where listeners of the Short Side Option can ask TSSO's very own Chris the Icon Sork uh, their questions, and they can do so by submitting them to us on Twitter at TSSO underscore podcast, or using the hashtag Ask the Icon, or you know what? If you see us traveling out on the roads, grinding on sports stories, um, and we happen to stop for gas somewhere, go ahead and come up to our car and... Scratch your question into the side of our car with your key. And, that's fine. And yeah. then we'll read them on the show. And uh, that's any, any way, okay? Any way you want to ask us questions, we'll submit them to the icon and we'll get those questions answered. Without any further ado, we will uh, ask our first question of the icon. And this one comes from a really great listener, uh, Gut4KSU. Gut asks, will you be placing any prop bets for the Super Bowl? If so, what are your favorite props and why? Well, yes, I will be play, uh, playing some props uh, on the Super Bowl. It should be uh, always, always a fun uh, fun thing to do uh, for folks that maybe uh, don't really care much about the game, but, you know, all, of course, everyone's kind of watching the Super Bowl. Uh, gives them something to, uh, to tune into. But... Uh, the one thing that I'm uh, most looking for is I like the kind of the exotic stuff, the kind of the crazy <coughs> stuff. Of course, with the Moon, Maroon Five being the halftime performer this year, uh, one of the one of the props I know I'll be uh, interested on is is what song will be first performed uh, on their set list. Uh, <coughs> what do you think it's going to be? What what get, lay some odds on me? Well, uh, I've got them pulled up right here. Uh, one more night uh, is the leader is the favorite uh, plus three dollars. Um, and we've got Makes Me Wonder at, at plus five dollars, Sugar at uh, plus five fifty. Uh, one that I, I'd like to keep an eye on here is uh, is She Will Be Loved. At, <laughs> that's where that's where I'm laying my money, man. At, at fifteen to one, if you want to get a little crazy, an oldie but a goodie. That's from uh, Songs About Jane, I believe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that that would really set the stage for a great halftime performance. A nice, a real just. Banger. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I kind of like, uh, kind of like that. Also, moves like Jagger sitting at six to one right now. That's something to keep an eye on. That's a good value. Mm-hmm. A lot of money to be made there. I think so. Um, but there's anything you can, anything that you can, um, anything that you can imagine. I mean, there's just some crazy. You got any lean on the on the coin flip? Um, I'm going with tails. You know what they say? Tails never fails. That's right. What do you, what kind of odds do you get? You, are uh, they giving you on tails right now? Uh, tails, 
minus 110. What's, uh, what's heads? Also minus 110. I expect that line to move. You expect that line to move? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think uh, I think Tails is going to see some... Uh, some heavy money. Some smart... Well, the smarts or the sharps have... Uh, they came in on uh, heads pretty early, but Junkie Public, he's... He's laying tails all day long. Yeah, that's that's why I'm part of the public, I guess, folks. All right, our next question comes from listener Tyler H at th8 underscore. Tyler asks, Icon is a lover of all Dallas and New York sports because of your deep roots in those cities. What are your thoughts on the Porzingis trade? Well, it's uh, it's interesting. It it can be very beneficial for both teams. Obviously, more. Uh, beneficial in the kind of in the immediate pop for for Dallas with obviously with uh, Luka Doncic a uh, a rising superstar in this league uh, being a cornerstone of that franchise to uh, to pair him with uh, Porzingis it down the pivot pretty pretty formidable duo there Uh, however for the Knicks it allows them to clear some cap space and uh, they're going to make a big run at uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in free agency. So the Knicks have to, for, the, for this trade to work for the Knicks, they have to go out and uh, give their best sales pitch to uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. If they're able to do that, maybe it works out for both teams. So, uh, but right now you have to, you have to like where, uh, how the Mavs came out on this one. You got it. You got to like it. Uh, Tyler, of course, had a trio of questions. Uh, Tyler's second question is, Icon, will the Cats break 40 points in either game against Baylor's zone? 40 is a low number, but I will say yes, they do. In both? Yeah. All right. That's an answer. Uh, And Tyler's final question is, Icon, tell me, which is greater? The number of total wins for KSU basketball at the end of the year or the number of seconds it takes for D. Louie to chug four beers? Wow. Well, um, I'm intimately familiar with uh, the velocity of which you uh, can hammer those suckers down. And when I look, K-State right now sits at 15-5. and five. Okay. I think they're going to win. Twenty-three. Oh. Well, then, or so. Well, then the regular answer, season games. Yeah. Well, then that's your answer right there. Okay. You can't. You can't do. No. I, I'll. I'll. I have that eclipsed by about f- over four seconds. Okay. So okay. Well, then there's your answer. There's from from from, from D. Louis. So I'm gonna sorry say, for spoiling. Yeah, I'm gonna say K State has uh, more wins than uh, amount of time it takes for D. Louis to house for. Uh, Poor lukewarm cold ones. Lukewarm uh, Keystone Ices, baby. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for those questions, Tyler. Our next question comes from another great listener, Brett Henning, at Brett W. Henning on Twitter. Brett asks, Gentlemen, if one of your favorite sports teams picked up shop in a seedy way, like the Rams did, and reached their league championship like the Rams have, would you be rooting for them to win that championship? No, I don't think I would. No, what do you? I, I don't. I don't think I would. I know. I know that I saw that they were adding flights uh, from St. Louis to Atlanta for the Super Bowl, and I just can't, in good faith, think that if I was in those shoes, that I would be uh, 
be interested really in in continuing to follow the team, I would have uh, when they pick up shop and and leave town, I'd I'd do the same. I, I'd uh, find a new team to root for. Yeah, hard to hard to blame anybody who uh, who would be to be out in those circumstances. Um, but that's an interesting thought. That's a good question there, but it is a great it's a great question. Um, luckily, if you're a cult sports junkie like I am, you're not too worried about the cats picking up shop and moving to L.A. Yeah, you're, you, you, that, <laughs> that would be a, that would be a fundamental change for for Kansas State. That would be. Um, anyway, our next question comes from listener Ep at Johnny underscore Epley Seed. Ep asks, pulling. <clears throat> sorry, I started with the wrong intonation of voice there. Let me start over. Pullen going for 38 against our Ad Astra brethren in the inaugural sandstorming may be the closest I've ever come to Nirvana. What is the Icon's sandstorm forecast for next week? Well, I expect it to be loud. I expect it to be filled with vitriol. And I expect it to be filled with expletives, just how we like it. Yeah, that that gets me to a follow-up, if I may. Yeah. What are your thoughts on... The chant. You will not find a stronger advocate for the chant than the man speaking in the microphone at this point in time. I think I heard you chanting it to yourself before the show started. Some, there are sometimes, you know, like I just kind of, you know, just to get myself revved up for every recording of the show. Now this is a family also. show. So. Yes, of course we we keep it clean here, but uh, off air, you got to do what you got to do to get yourself ready. It's kind of your mantra. Absolutely. You, you just mutter it to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I've already stayed. I've already put in my will that I want my headstone to to read that be emblazoned with the chant. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I also I'm thinking about getting a tattoo that says it. Oh, really? Are right, you right across my stomach, right across my belly? <laughs> that would be that'd be very nice. Yeah, I think it'd give me some cred. Yeah, absolutely. Some people like to get t- uh, power cat tattoos on their ankles and stuff, but no, not, not me. Not you. Not I you. have a different motto in mind. Uh, our next question comes from listener. Well, what, so oh, what, I'm sorry. He asked what the, the what the forecast was for next week. Well, is it getting, is Sandstorm getting played? Yes, it will be. How many times? I'll set, say just, I'll over under one and a half. Um, I will say under one and a half. It's probably just a one time play. One time play. One time. If you had to guess, at what point in the game does it get played? What quarter? Well, I guess it would be the fourth quarter of the game, but it would be under eight. Uh, there, there will be under ten minutes in the second half when, when, it, gets, when it gets busted out. Oh, yeah, man. I can, I just, I can, feel, I can feel it coming. I love it. Uh, our next question comes from listener Fighting Bruce Webers at Jay Wyland, 1125. Uh, Fighting Bruce Webers says, Chris and Dilu, big fan. What are your thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks? Specifically, do you think DJ Wilson will become an elite player in the league? Thank you so much. No, I don't think he will become an elite player in the league. All right. Noted. Yeah. Thank you for the question, Fighting Bruce Webers. Our next questioner comes from listener K-State Fan. At K-State Fan 1. Wow. Case, the K-State Fan. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, K-State Fan asks... What is a realistic seed for K-State in the tournament? Personally, I think as high as a 4-ish, and maybe even as low as a 10 or 11, if this goes south fast. 
Yeah, I don't think four is. I think four is probably on the on the outer reach of what K State's going to be able to to achieve. Um, so let's say K State finishes. If let's say K State wins the Big Twelve outright, that probably puts them at about thirteen and five. I think thirteen and five will be good enough to win the Big Twelve this year. So at thirteen and five, I like. Um, Let's say K-State goes 13-5, gets the finals of the Big 12 tournament. So that would put them at, oh, let's see here, 25 wins. I think you're looking at a solid five, four or five. See, I think that's the the best case scenario for K-State. But what I would would say to people is you, you always want the best draw, and Sometimes it might be better to be a seven seed and, and have a have a nice draw, maybe with a, a, a vulnerable what you feel to be a vulnerable two seed or something like that. But I think K State, uh, if they take care of business and and win, win go out and win the Big Twelve, they're going to be looking at a four or five seed uh, for sure. Now, what, what about the, the reciprocal of for that? the reciprocal of that? Yes, as I was getting to, let's say K State just kind of finishes out about a five hundred team in the Big Twelve. From here on out, or finishes the season with a 500 record. So let's just say finishes the season with a 500 record. Okay. Like let's say you know nine and nine. We'll just go right there, right at 500. I think you'd probably look at K State as a eight nine seed again. Um, maybe and I think he said in in his message as, as low as a ten seed. Uh, I think that's well within uh, within the range of possibility too. So I think. I think the uh, the question asker there uh, hit it right on his hit it right on the head there. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> good stuff from K State fan. Our next question comes from listener Quentin Hoover at Quentin Hoover. Yes, and of course a, a big shout out to Quentin last week. That's as right, he, as he uh, filled in admirably for he, you. He did a great job. He carried uh, you know the responsibility of this position. Great, and uh, hopefully we can have him back sometime in the future. But Quentin submits a, a couple questions today. Uh, and I'm going to break these out a little bit because okay. we have two questions that are kind of on the same subject. Uh, Quentin Hoover asks, question for the icon. What will be the Scorpions' key to victory at historical, at historic Gallagher-Iba this Saturday? Going to be a couple things. Don't let the Zagwa beat you from behind the arc. I think that's first and foremost. Uh, limit waters on his penetration into the lane. And then, uh, really, for offensively for K State, I think it's as simple as looking at what makes you a good team. Getting the ball to Dean Wade, kind of in that mid post area, uh, moving the ball well, moving with the ball with purpose, getting the ball from side to side. So I think ball movement, because uh, especially I expect K State to face quite a bit of zone in this game. And if K State's going to uh, be able to beat that zone instead of just settling for contested outside jump shots, it's going to be, you know, the passing that sets that up. And quite frankly, I think they, that was kind of that was kind of the what was keeping K State from being able to do that against uh, Texas A&M and some other games is they just kind of dribble the ball outside around the three point line, wait around until there's five seconds on the shot clock and, and heave a 25, 26 footer. Uh, Got to get the ball to both sides of the court, get it inside the paints, 
got to keep make the defense defend that whole 30 seconds uh, if K-State's going to do it. So ball movement and uh, locking down on, on Oklahoma State's impact players. And we addressed this a little, or a little earlier, but what's the bare minimum K-State needs to shoot from three to beat a team like Oklahoma State who's going to be playing a lot of zone? Can, well, can they get away with 30, 33%? Sure, I think they can. Uh, 33%, I mean, not great shooting, but I think sometimes, I think K-State falls way too far in love with a three-point jump shot against the zone. In order to, to beat a zone, you don't necessarily have to be able to shoot them out of it. You, you, by cutting inside and also being active on the boards and rebounding the ball. That's, uh, that's the recipe for, for going in there and uh, getting that team out of the zone. So K-State's going to have their work cut out. I think Oklahoma State is a more than, uh, more than worthy opponent. And it's an opponent that should have their, their respect and their, their uh, attention. If K-State's going to, to do it, I, I think those keys that I laid out are, are the, uh, the biggest keys to victory. All right. And Quentin asks a, a second question. Uh, Quentin asks, Icon, does D. Louie consider himself more of a power or finesse bowler? Well, I've seen you bowl several times, and I fashion you as a finesse bowler. Yeah. Would you, would you agree? Absolutely. I'm what you call a stroker. Okay. I hit my mark, you hit strikes. It's as simple as that, folks. Yeah. And uh, another question on the, on the same subject here from listener Steven, at Godlewski22. Steven asks, hi, Icon. What are the odds I beat D. Lou at bowling tonight? Slim to none, and Slim's leaving town. Right there. Sorry, Godlewski. Going down, my man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll conclude the uh, listener question segment of Ask the Icon. But, Icon, uh, have you done any research on the uh, uh, waters, the Saguas? Yes. Uh, best I can tell, not related. Wow. I'm, I'm also shocked as well on that. But that's what the research polls. Well, there, there you have it. So... Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Short Side Option. Uh, great to have D. Louie back. You know what? It's, it's great to be back, Chris. It really is. Well, it, it's great to have you back. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know I, I always kind of think of you as kind of the guy who's, who's the straw that stirs the drink that we like to call the Short Side Option. You know, just like Shane Southwell. That's right. The straw. The straw. So, I uh, thank you for... For uh, you know, coming back, coming away from, I know you were, of course, tied up with uh, a nice feature article that you have on your hands. Yeah, but to to uh, yeah, Val Taylor to to come back and I know you've been spending a lot of time on that. So thank you for carving some time out for us this week. Absolutely, you know what? The grind never stops, but us storytellers, us scribes, we got to get get out there on the road sometimes if we, if we need to get to the bottom of the story. That's right, that's right. So folks, that'll do it for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We'll be back with a Monday recording previewing Tuesday's Sunflower Showdown against the Kansas Jayhawks. We'll bring that to you, and uh, it will be released Tuesday morning to get you ready and to get you everything you need to know for the big game Tuesday night in Bramwich Coliseum. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Short Side Option. Thank you for listening, and go Cats.